So, it is that time of year when we all begin making our resolutions, right? It is that time of year when we start thinking about what are we going to do? What, are we, what goals are we going to set? How, what's this year going to look like for us? It's that kind of time where we kind of take stock of our lives and think about what are the things that we want to tweak and change and, and, and all of that. Well, I want to propose something this morning, and it's something we're going to be talking about over the next uh, four weeks. And it's something that uh, the whole church is actually going to be focused on. I know the community class is uh, kind of going through a curriculum that follows along with this, and they're talking about it in traditional worship as well. But we're calling it, and it's based on a book and a, and a series by uh, a, a guy whose name escapes me right this minute, um, Mike. All I can remember is Mike. Ashcroft. Thank you to my wife. Um, Mike Ashcroft. And it's called My One Word. And so the proposal is that you lose the list of resolutions and pick a word. Lose the list and pick a word. So I want to start off by just talking about resolutions. Um, what do you think is the number one resolution made in America? What's the number one? Lose weight. Yeah, everybody got it. Did everybody get it? If you didn't get it, don't raise your hand. Um, Okay, so that's number one, lose weight. So you kind of got this idea of you can make some, some physical resolutions, like lose weight, you're going to exercise three times a week, you're going to walk 30 minutes a day or whatever it is, you're going to eat more healthy, um, what, what, you're going to go on the whatever diet it, it is this year, uh, or maybe I should say this month, um, whatever the fad diet is, you know, you're going to do that and make it work and all that. Um, you know, those are the kind of the physical resolutions you can make. What else? What, what's another big, what's the next maybe big resolution? What do you think? What would be the next one? Think financial. Save money or get out of debt. Yeah, that's number two. Uh, so financial, you've got give debt, get out of debt, save money. I'm going to give more generously. I'm going to save 10% of my income. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give to this charity. I'm going to make all these resolutions, right? Then we've got, like, intellectual resolutions. What would be an intellectual resolution? Read, read, okay. Not so fond of those, are we? <laughs> read books, yeah, okay. So we're going to make the goal of, I'm going to read 30 books this year, whatever it is. Or I'm going to read a book a month. Or, you know, whatever the goal is, you set that resolution. I'm going to write a blog. I'm going to listen to a, a podcast every day. Um, all right, so we've got, like, I don't know, nine or ten resolutions working so far. Um, family resolutions. What are some family resolutions? You can uh, do what? It, calling your relatives. That's very good. Yes, that's a very good. You're going to be more consistent in calling your relatives. Once a week, maybe. Or maybe we're going to declutter the house, right? Or, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to spend one hour a day together right? Yeah, that's, that's always the ideal. We're going to spend more time together. Um, no more TV, right? I'm going to bathe the dog more often, I promise. <laughs> uh, all right, then you got like social resolutions. Maybe we're going to invite more friends over, be more, have more hospitality around our house. Or maybe we'll go to more stuff, go to more parties. 
um, be more involved in the community. We'll be more involved in the school PTA or whatever it is. And then finally, maybe we get down to the spiritual resolutions where we're going to say, I don't know, read through the Bible in a year. That's a big popular one. Or I'm going to resolve to pray every day. Or a really good one, join a covenant group. That would be a really good resolution. Now, all those resolutions, what does that sound like to you? Work. Yeah. It sounds like, yes, exactly. So much work. And um, I was, I was uh, listening to the radio, and they were talking about how successful uh, different generations are in uh, keeping their resolutions. And uh, believe it or not, young people are the most successful. So like teenagers and 20-somethings are the most successful. Um, can you guess like the percentage rate of how successful they are? What would you say? 20% I heard? 60? No, no, no. It's a little higher than 20, a little lower than 60. It's like 30 to 35%. So the best of us are successful a third of the time in keeping their resolutions. Now, that's not exactly a high track record. And apparently, like, the older you get, like, every decade you lose about 10% of your ability to keep your resolutions. Um, so I'm not sure by the time you get to, to be 60, like, what's the point of even making resolutions, I guess? I don't know. But the best of us are doing, uh, doing it at about a 30% clip. That's not real great. It's because I think this, this list, these lists that we make are so demanding, and it takes all of our willpower, that it's just not effective. I, I think the other problem is that these lists we make are actually based in regret, right? They're less about what motivates us, and more about what we regret over the holidays more often than that, right? Like, we want to lose weight because of all the chocolate we ate over Christmas. But our lives are already so fast-paced and demanding. We're already so busy that when we make these lists of resolutions, it's hard to know where to focus. It's hard to know what to focus on. It's as if we have this wide swath, and we don't know where to begin. And by the time we've begun, we've already failed. Most resolutions don't even make it to February, am I right? It's kind of like looking through a telescope. If you want to learn about Jupiter, you don't just walk outside look up at the sky and go, wow, Jupiter looks great tonight. <laughs> Jupiter is amazing. I bet it has moons. I bet there's a red spot on Jupiter. You can't just walk outside and observe and learn about Jupiter. And one of my favorite things to do is to get out my telescope and uh, set it up in the backyard. It's not real great light where we are, but it's not too bad because we're still kind of on the outskirts of the city. And uh, I love getting my boys up on a step stool or something and helping them look through and, and see the different parts of the sky. 
And when you get your telescope out and you're able to zoom in and carefully focus the field of vision in onto Jupiter, then you can see its moons. Then you can see its red spot. And you can be fascinated and you can track it along the sky. In order to see Jupiter, you've got to have the right vision and the ability to focus in on it. The scripture that's kind of guiding me today is Proverbs 29, 18. I have to confess, I've never actually preached from a single verse, much less one from Proverbs. But it goes like this, where there is no vision... The people get out of control. I, I like the way that the, it's the common English version that uh, translates it that way. I like the way that it, it translates it. Where there is no vision, the people get out of control. The King, King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the NRSV says, the people are unrestrained. I think the idea is, if you have no focal point, you tend to exert a lot of sideways energy. You tend to exert a lot of effort that doesn't actually move you toward a goal. The NRSV also says that where there is, instead of thinking of it as just vision in general, it gives it a little bit more of a specific twist and says there is, where there is no prophetic vision, where there is no prophecy. What that's talking about, prophetic vision is what moves us toward God and toward God's vision for us and for humanity. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people get out of control. They run amok. <laughs> we run amok. So prophetic vision helps us focus on what God wants. Because I think the spiritual life, the spiritual resolutions that we make shouldn't just be one among a many, a, a big list. Our spirituality should encompass the list because God can be experienced in every place and in every part of of our lives. So let's not limit the experience of God to a to-do list that we check off. So, I'm proposing, and uh, I guess I should say uh, Mike Ashcraft, right? Maybe I should pay more attention, uh, is proposing that we lose the list and pick a word. A resolution, a list of resolutions, I think, is a list of demands instead of a note of inspiration. So instead of going down this long list of to-dos, instead we allow God to help us through a discernment process by which we find a single word that helps filter our, all of our experiences through what God would want us to learn in a year.
Does that make sense? So what we're trying to do here is to find a single word rather than a whole long list and do the one word rather than not do a whole long list of resolutions. And what I found, and and, uh, Mallory and I did this somewhat last year. Mallory was better about it than I was. But um, was that it's easy to remember and it's doable and it will actually last throughout the year and not just be gone by February. Because again, resolutions are based on regret, on how we failed, on, on the things we want to fix, rather than on the vision of where we want to go, on the vision of who God is calling us to be, on this positive motivation towards an end result. So picking a single word helps us focus in on one point of inspiration and be faithful to that one thing rather than ineffective at many things. It's a way of helping us focus, allowing the field of vision that is as wide as the sky to be narrowed down on the one thing that God is calling us to work on in this year. And so over the next few weeks, what I'm hoping we'll be able to do together is work through this process of picking a word and sharing that word with others and letting that be the filter by which we allow God to speak to us throughout the year. So I want to show you a video right now of um, a lady who picked a particular word, express. And she's going to talk a little bit about how, um, what it's meant for her. Express, that's my one word for the year. For the past three years, Mike's been challenging us to pick one word that defines who we want to become in light of who God's called us to be. Ever since then, I've been picking one word to define my year. This time around, I really wanted something that was action, doing, tangible, something I could see. My grandmother was an amazing artist, and so I thought, maybe this year I'd see if I had any of that artistic expression in me. As I was trying to figure out my word express, I also thought it might be about expressing God's love in new ways, ways that were outside my comfort zone seemed like express just kept coming up like it was the perfect word for me. The more I thought about expression, I realized I need to look inside and be aware of what God was actually doing in my heart before I could express it outwardly. It's caused an awareness of myself, my sin, my need for Him, and even the needs of others. Luke 6.45 says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That verse has made me more aware of the words coming out of my mouth. My thoughts, my actions, like where are they coming from? Are they coming from the Lord or myself? In my life or in my art, I really wanted to have an outward expression this year. I thought my word would push me to do something on the outside, but rather it has caused me to recognize what God's doing in me, and the overflow of that, that will be my expression. Express, that's my one word. So uh, there's so there's a lot of good stuff in that video. Um, the thing that sticks out to me the most is that this word express, that you would think would be a very outward thing, actually led her to turn inwardly and focus on her spiritual life, 
her spiritual health on the inside, and that it was out of the overflow of her heart that she was able to express and be and do what God wanted her to do. So, you all have inserts in your bulletin that look like this. What I'd like you to do, you got homework this week, all right? I know the kids are back in school, so now we've all got homework. So, uh, I just want to walk you through this real quick. Because I want you to work with this this week. Um, It's a three-step process of, of picking a word. And what it really is, and what it really does, is it helps you pay attention. It helps you listen. It helps you discern where God is leading you this year. Now, I've had a bunch of different words floating around in my head. I, I haven't actually settled on one yet. Um, Paul has, has already picked his, and it, uh, Paul has picked breathe. Um, so Pastor Paul is going to breathe some this year. But uh, to get to that point where you've picked a word, you need to do three things. And the first is ask yourself the question, what kind of person do I want to become? And as I see it through the lens of our, our verse in Proverbs, the way I, I kind of understand this question is, how is God calling me to have a prophetic vision of who God wants me to be? Who is God calling me to be? Who is God calling me to become? This is a very Wesleyan thing, this idea of becoming. Because we're always becoming closer to God. We're always moving on the road closer to perfection. We're always going on toward perfection. We can always take the next step. And so how is it that God is calling us to become who God wants us to be? And then once we have that idea in our minds of the type of person, the kind of person that we want to become, we then brainstorm and list all of the characteristics, the character traits that we can think of that make up a person like that. Because what this is actually about is is not just behavior modification. We're not just trying to behave differently. We're trying to actually have an inner transformation, a character transformation. So this moves us beyond just the to-do lists and the behavior modification. It moves us to transformation. So what are these specific character traits that would fulfill that prophetic vision? Write them all down. Just brainstorm. Let all the options flow out. You're not trying to eliminate any at this point. It's a listening process, a discerning process. So you could come up with a a big, long list of 30 or so words. Uh, The book recommends at least 10. And then after that, you start to narrow it down. Maybe pick your top three. And continue to listen and pray and ask God where God's leading you. And then if finally you can't decide, you just pick one. (laughs) Just pick a word and, and go with it. Because at this point, you've done the work and all the words are good words. And they can all have an impact on you in one way or another. And so just trust that God will be in the process no matter what. Pick a word and then find a scripture that relates to the word that will be another point of inspiration for you. So what I'd like you to do is work on this this week. And then when we come back together next week, we will pick our words. We'll write them down and we'll carry them with us. We'll share them with one another as we move 
through this year. And then after that, we'll talk about how can we cultivate that word in our lives and how can we stay faithful? How can we continue working on it uh, past the initial excitement? So, lose the list, pick a word. That's our goal. Let God help you focus with prophetic vision on who God is calling you to become in 2018. Amen.